0: Hi, I'm Billy Shore. Welcome to Add Passion and Stir. It's the podcast from Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry Campaign. We share the inspirational stories of individuals who set their sights on a problem and then use their strengths to create solutions. On today's episode, we bring you Brandon Krasnowski, who's on a mission to change the face of reentry for formerly incarcerated people all across the United States. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Billy Shore. I'm here with my sister, Debbie Shore. Welcome back, Deb.
1: Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. And uh, our
0: guest today, Brandon Edwins Krostowski. Uh, he is the founder of Edwins Restaurant and Leadership Institute. He's got an incredible personal story and has made a huge impact in the Cleveland area and nationally in terms of the work that he is doing to break the cycle of incarceration and help uh, previously incarcerated individuals Re-enter in uh, powerfully productive ways. I know done this many times, but your own story of being in the restaurant business is pretty different from most of the culinary uh, folks that we have a chance to talk to on Add Passion and Stir. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that we want to talk about here in terms of the crisis of re-entry in America and how Edwin's works and the folks that you work with and. Uh, and, and serve and support, but uh, tell us your own story first. How did you come to be doing what you're doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the industry really found me, right? I, I didn't, I didn't kind of find it, and it was um, it's really by a lot a number of twists and turns in my life. I, I got, you know, I got arrested. I had like a ton of energy when I was younger, right? I mean, before I was 18, I probably had 20 jobs. I mean, from Laying carpet, to working a, in a in a flower shop, scooping ice cream, pumping gas, putting in pools. Like I just had a ton of energy and loved to work. And and um, the one part of my life that set us on a different course was when I got arrested, and uh, when I was uh, 17, thrown in jail, uh, you know, facing a five to ten year sentence. I was close enough to being an adult that that was that was possible. Um, I get probation instead, right? The judge says you got more to offer, and 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 sends me out of the courtroom with with freedom uh well kind kind of you know you're on probation but the the point was is i i left there looking for another change in my life and and i started working in a restaurant in downtown detroit off woodward avenue and the the chef there really took me under his wing he taught me that it's not practice that makes perfect but perfect practice makes perfect and 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 it, it just it just stuck with me right the um I mean, I love walking into kitchens all over and, you know, the stainless steel, the, uh, the energy, right? The idea that you can craft these, these items with your hand to help change someone's life, right, when they, when they eat. And there's never, ever – you'll never be quenched. There's always something to learn, right, uh, from cuisines to, to organization to, um, to education that the kitchen is a place you can really, really um, give your all and, that, and that's how it started, man. It was, it was a great a great beginning. I had a great mentor, and then it just shot, shot to the stars from there.
0: And the stars included uh, passage through the Culinary Institute of America, Charlie Trotter's Restaurant in Chicago, which is le- legendary. Uh, I've seen in your bio that you were at the restaurant that uh, my wife and I, I think, had our, maybe our first date at in New York, Picholine. Uh, so very important in, in my <laughs> uh, history as well as yours. Uh, but you ended up. Uh, I mean, there must have been a combination of not just perfect practice, but some real latent talent there. You ended up at some of the best restaurants in the world.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could say that hard, hard work goes a long way in the kitchen, right? But I mean, for sure, for sure, sure there's, there's there's some talent there. But you know, no matter how talented you are, you could be a talented athlete and just not get the right direction, and you know, and just kind of like you know, flounder and flop.
1: You no, know, I was going to say, in addition to what you loved about the kitchen itself, was it also the appeal of, um, you know, the patrons and the socializing and the relationship that you developed with the patrons or were you strictly kind of turned on to the, to the back of the house of the, of the, of the restaurant?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was a back of the house guy, I man. That's how I began. You know, I kind of, um, you know, morphed later on into the front of the house, but yeah, I was back in the house, but you're socializing just as much. You're having fun. You're making these things. It's, it's a blast. I mean, it's like a constant, constant high.
0: And, and, and when do you go from working in a restaurant to to support Brandon to creating uh, a restaurant that uh, helps others uh, who were on the path you were on?
2: That was two thousand four. I was um, I just got back from Paris uh, from working, and, and I started at Le Cirque in, in, uh, in Manhattan, and uh, I was, you know, walking to. I'll never forget because I, I was I was walking right down, uh, 55th, and passing. You know, I think it was St. Patrick's Cathedral, and and the phone rang. I get a call from from Chef George. That's the chef in Detroit who mentored me, and he started to explain how, um, the, the Quentin was was a colleague of mine when I first started. A very young man from the south, sweet as can be, and he was murdered. He was found murdered in a building stabbed, you know, countless times and George called to tell me that. And I said, huh, I mean, it, it kind of shook me. Right. But, you know, as life has it, you just got to keep moving. So I, I didn't think too much more about it after that until you know, less than two weeks later, he called again about the sous chef getting killed. And, and, you know, this is coming with stories from people who are thrown in prison or, you know, just no longer around. And I started to like wonder why and how, I could be here and, and, you know, serving these, whatever it's $10,000 bottles of wines, you know, coming around Le Cirque and we're we're cooking off these, you know, $300,000 ovens. And it it just, I couldn't really come to terms with the fact that I was here and free and somebody was not. And so it was, it was in 2004, uh, I, I said, I've got to make a difference. I've got to, I've got to do something. Uh, about this and create a restaurant that's a school that, that gives people chances just like I had and that, that was the beginning of it
0: and what did it take to to do that that's no simple thing creating creating a restaurant you're obviously somebody of real persistence and determination and fortitude but what did you have to do to pull it off
2: that's the fun part man that was the fun part because it was never done before like what I was trying to do had never been done then right and it, it was like this uh you know people didn't People would like shake your hand, and like pat you on the back, and say, "Yeah, go get them." <laughs> but it was, this was difficult, man. This was, this was difficult, but it was a heck of a journey. It took you know nearly ten years. But it started with me going back to school. I went back to the CIA to get a business degree. I said, "I'm." Gonna, they had a business planning class, and I said, "I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to write this business plan." And that's how I got to start. And then as I did that, I would start to work on just different things about. And talk to different people. Say, how did how do you get here? Art Smith, I remember Art Smith. He was he he um. We went to the James Beard Award in New York. I think in two thousand six or seven. I forget what it was. I just remember Art saying at the after party, he said, "You know, you, you know, you, you got to invest in yourself before someone's going to invest in you." And, and, and you know, well, start your nonprofit. Just 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 do it, right? I mean, like, what are you waiting for, kind of thing? I said, "Well, okay." So I listened to him, I, and I saved my money, got an attorney, and just started you know, getting all that paperwork together and filed for my nonprofit status. And then you'd talk to someone else who would say this, would say that. And sooner or later, over the course of many years, it just started to come together, right? I, I, I mean, but it took nine solid years to get
0: this thing together. And, and say what it is. To, you know, tell us exactly how it works now.
2: Oh, Edwins. So Ed, Edwins is a um, – First of all, I mean, I start as a nonprofit, so it could outlive me. And it's, it's got to happen if we're trying to change the face of reentry. That's the goal is to change the face of reentry, the perception in which someone is viewed after returning home from prison and incarceration. And how we do that is we teach an elite skill, right? So that it not only levels the playing field, but goes above the playing field. So one's considered equal at this point. And we do that. And uh, through a six-month training program that's that's you know unfolds during normal restaurant operations. You know the restaurants the school, the school is a restaurant. So for six months at Edwin's Restaurant here in Cleveland, Ohio, classic French food is served, and you're trained in the classic French cuisine. Uh, it's about nine hundred hours, the program length. You learn every position uh, in the restaurants, so you have exposure to the whole the whole field, and you also get business basics, you get, you know, training with, um, how to make, make sure this, you know, you can maintain a profitable restaurant or manage a profitable restaurant. You know, we do serve safe gastronomy, all sorts of different, um, topics to help not only build confidence, but give you, you know, give you the exposure so that when you get into this industry, you can navigate it. But along the way, it's not just that, because if it was that easy, we you know, we've been doing this all over the place. You know, we've we've really provided a strong hug of support. So I've got a case manager on site. Uh, we've got uh, four buildings for housing. You know, we got two apartment buildings, that, you know, three-story. It's not, it's not a small, small adventure. Uh, two houses for graduates and for families. Uh, we've got a campus with a basketball court, a library, a fitness center. Uh, in fact, we have a butcher shop and bakery in that whole same Area, and the idea is to really you know dedicate the space to learning, building, and really I'm chasing the dream that we have to become uh, you know great in this business and and become the, our best selves. That's what we do at Edwin's.
0: And how many? Uh, two two questions that I'll turn this over to my my sister. How many folks do you uh, employ there at one time? Um, and do your customers uh, know when they're coming to Edwin's? Do, do they all know about your mission, or some just coming because they've heard there's fabulous French cuisine, uh, and are some coming because they've heard you're also having this powerful social impact?
2: So, the latter question, it's it's all the above. I mean, some people come in here and they have no idea. Some people travel. We we have a world map and a United States map in our kitchen. We we flag people where, when they when they travel for us. I mean, they come as far as. Middle East. They come from Juneau, Alaska. They come from the East Coast to West Coast. So it's, it's 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 definitely a destination. So some people know, some people don't know. They just find they look at the ratings and it says the best French French restaurants, and they come. Uh, employee wise, you know, we employ between all. You know, I'm talking about the four places. We have two restaurants, butcher shop, bakery, campus. Uh, all in all, there's about 25 to 35 employees. You know, part time, full time, and on top of that, we could we could sprawl from as low as twenty students per class up to to sixty or seventy students a class. So, at any given time, there's there's a lot of people in um, a lot of a lot of a lot of parts moving.
1: Brandon, I'm I'm wondering, um, you know, it, it's been so successful in Cleveland, um, and I'm wondering if you've thought, you thought, know, and there's plenty of people to help in Ohio. I mean, you've you know, I'm sure you haven't reached, you know even, even a, a quarter of the folks you'd like to reach that are coming out of prison to help. But have you thought about scaling outside of Cleveland or outside of Ohio? And if you have, have you thought about what that would, what that would even take?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, um, you know, we're like the, the Institute itself is about year nine. The pro, the project itself is about 18 years and it all started inside of prisons in 2011. That's where I started teaching and that continues to today in, in one prison here in Ohio. We teach hands-on. You know, we branched out with culinary clubs through Ohio where inmates will lead a class. And, um, you know, about a year ago, we started this process into getting on tablets that go nationwide in prisons and, and you know, jails. So we've started to scale it. I mean, we, we reached maybe, I don't know, 50,000 now. Fifty thousand plus across the country with uh, our tablet program, where we have you know recordings and tests and quizzes. So we've definitely did that inside the walls. Uh, out outside the walls, like uh, this this week I'll be in Orange County consulting with a project. They have um, Orange County's got a large area and building they purchased. They want to you know figure out something about this project. Uh, you know I'll go down to Texas and consult with their their prison system. Uh, manufacturers down in Memphis. I mean, the consulting piece has been going on for a long time. And, and we've helped people who have ideas get to where they want to go. And that's truly the expansion. I, you have to understand, I mean, a restaurant itself is a lifetime, right? Know, times it by four, plus housing and then a social mission and so on. If you take your eye off the ball, it can get really, really, it can go really bad fast. So oh, how, how expansion looks, it looks like helping others connect the dots and reach their goal. So we've opened up two other places in Ohio, one for recovery and addiction and another one for the homeless. And they're restaurants, they're training programs.
1: Wait, they are restaurants, you're saying?
2: Oh, yeah, 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 for
1: sure. Okay, okay. Yeah,
2: so what we do is we go in there, we work with someone on their mission, we work with them on... Um, you know what they're trying to do. We, 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 build curriculum, decor. I mean, you name it. We'll even staff it. We got a management training program where we can help them find a manager through our graduates that we've trained. Um, yeah. So it worked. I mean like the expansion thing works, but if you don't have a driver on their end,
1: you don't want to own another restaurant. I mean, look, this is crazy. Like the right. But like, do you, do you kind of have a North star in terms of how many people you're trying to reach? Are you just, you know, making sure that you're 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 moving forward every day and every week or do you have kind of a, a long term goal in mind?
2: Yeah as many people as as many people as it's it's quality not quantity. And I don't I don't want to be like McDonald's with over a billion served, but we're not serving cheeseburgers here. You know, we're serving cassoulet And as many people as we can affect with quality and our system is quality, that's what we'll do until it naturally it grows, 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 and grows. But, you know, right now the Cleveland Browns, our local football team, has said, hey, anyone who finishes that tablet program, you know, we will we'll help pay for transportation to Cleveland. And you, and you come to Cleveland, you know, you get the free housing. You've got a program that pays. And, and so now think about that loop, but you've got to be able to handle everyone within that loop with the same experience. Uh, yeah, d- diluting that, this doesn't – just doesn't work, and if anything has taught you that, look at the pandemic. Uh, look at the great restaurants in, in Washington that've closed, shuttered. They can't even maintain one restaurant. Imagine if they had forty-seven.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking, actually, not necessarily of you having it, but of others that have, you know, maybe contacted you saying, like, I want to do the same thing. But absolutely,
0: Brandon, introduce us to one of your. Um, your success stories. Uh, I, I know there's many. We're not going to get to meet them. You have. Uh, tell us about somebody. And you don't have to use their real name. Uh, but tell us about somebody. Give us a sense of like what they've been through before they got to you. What challenges they overcame or had to overcome to succeed in your program. Uh, I want to try and make this as real for our listeners as possible. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, like over 500 grads, there's a lot of stories to tell. I mean, if you could just imagine... Um someone who's struggling with well, one, the, the, the fact that they're not feeling whole, right. You know, how, you know, humanity stripped away from you in prisons and incarceration or even in poverty for that matter. And so you got someone who maybe doesn't feel so whole, compound that with an addiction. Okay. Um, compound that with their, you know, they're not able to see their child and, and that person comes to our program. Right. And so it's just, imagine that, you know, it's like basic physics it takes a greater or equal amount of force to move an object, you know, moving, moving an object like that into a positive direction in terms of a whole direction, a complete direction. It's a lot, right? Both on that person's part and our part, but that's, that's an example of a student I can give you who, who just graduated about four months ago and, and she battled through it and she, you know.
0: How old was she?
2: Um, she was probably in her late twenties, early thirties. And, she does it, right? She she battles. She overcomes her addiction, which is never, ever over, right? But, I mean, through this program, she gets temporary rights to see her child, and then eventually full rights. And, and mind you, her, her child is not even one. And then she has, you know, full custody of her, her, her child, maintaining a job, and you know, stable. So, I, I mean, I don't know how many victories one person can claim to have done on that level. Uh, one, to overcome your, your 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 greatest vice for addiction. And two, to to go through a heart-wrenching legal process of not be able to see your, your infant. And then maintain full employment. I mean, this is just like this is one, this is one out of 550 or whatever graduates we got. Like this is one. Imagine that. And the story is just some people got their own brick and mortar restaurant. Some people have a food truck. Some people are happy in a corporate lifestyle that, that allows them to see family and su- support with family. Some have given give back and, you know, work with children. Um, you know, it really, it really sprawls. I think, I think the underlying success is someone who has courage to take on their, 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 their worst moments and overcome them through our program, which is food and hospitality and, and make a life of it. That, that's, that's the underlying thing.
0: And, and when you talk about changing the face of reentry, um, let's you know, we've talked a lot about restaurants. Let's talk about reentry and what the what, what the nature of the crisis is in this country, and changing it from from what to what. Uh, you know, without uh, Edwins, without your Leadership Institute, uh, what's the typical person coming out of prison facing? And I know the numbers are. They're, they're incredible. I think something like 10,000 ex-prisoners are released from America's state and federal prisons every week, more than 650,000 ex-offenders a year. And these are staggering numbers and we all are, have a general sense of how high recidivism is. So when you're changing the face of re-entry, it's from from what to what? So it's first the
2: perception of broken, discounted, um, you know, disrep- and disrepair. You, you know, just damaged. A threat. I mean, this is this is this is a majority of what people will think about someone who is who is returning home from prison. And just with that statement there, that is that permeates the housing world. That permeates the employment world. That permeates the relationship world. That permeates every little factor. of it. You know, it's just, it's such a large, um, over, overarching sentiment that society has for someone coming out of prison. We didn't even hit on the specifics, such as collateral sanctions, right, or a, a law that prohibits you from doing something, or a, you know, a housing issue that you can't, you know, are unallowed to do because of a, an offense, or, you know, the, the, I'm not even talking about the technical stuff, I'm just talking about the the abstract overarching sediment in this country that that people have for someone coming out of prison and that's what we're trying to attack there because attacking that there although it might take multiple lifetimes if it changes or an example is set that shows otherwise all the other stuff all the all the now the concrete things start to shift and change right so that's that's the goal. I mean, doing something better than the most great people can do starts to show that hey, maybe it's possible that someone is redeemable, repairable, um, not a threat, a uh, a hospitable human that you know that has a, a life to them, right? We all know that, but most society doesn't. so this this gem here is is what showcases that. And the long-term arc and metrics of what we do, we have less than 1% recidivism, employment, you know, nearly 100%. Like we will say 95%, we say. And and we know, especially in this market, you can get a job if you really, really want a job, right? Well, I saw that and I
0: had to read it twice. I mean, uh, close to 100% employment after graduation is astounding.
2: Yeah, and it's just just, the idea that they're not walking into a prep job or a dishwashing job. So, I mean, like the thing that would break my heart... you know, throughout life, you're going to go through these moments and you got, you got to have the, the courage to do it. Right. Like I'll go on a couple of tangents here, Billy. But I mean, people come to these entrepreneurs will come to me and people with these ideas come to me. and they, They've they over manufactured this thing and engineered it in their heads and they want this perfect thing. And they get so far, but they just don't do it now. And I, 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 can, rem, I can remember. There's two moments I remember. Well, Three. One, Charlie Rose saying, like, you know, you have to have the courage to put something out there before someone finds it, you know, to be uh, acceptable, right, or to be believable. And then I remember someone, like, countless people throughout my career, but I really started to take notice here in Cleveland when someone would just walk in the restaurant, generally an African-American male, saying, I want a job. I can wash dishes. And I was so sick of hearing this shit. I can... I want a job and I can wash dishes. And I said, Well, you know what? We're going to give you, we're going to hire you. So I ran these other restaurants like I run this place, just not, you know, wasn't publicly facing, but I would hire them and bring them through a system of starting as a back waiter, then a front waiter, then they'd work bartending. They'd start to work all these positions and, and, and really make something of it. Or they'd be in the kitchen and work their way up the ranks. but. A human being is more than capable of just washing a dish if they so choose. There's nothing wrong with washing a dish, but you can do that. And and that was really the, those moments put me over the edge and saying, I don't want to leave this earth saying I never tried opening a restaurant that could service and help someone who need it or want it more. And um, th- th- that's that's really it, man. It's it's, it's, it's it's showing people in the world that just because you've been in prison, it's not the Worst mistake you made is probably the greatest asset you have because you've found perspective. And that perspective is more powerful than sometimes a four-year education because you can relate. You can understand. You know your, your triggers. You've become connected and whole with the world you live in because of that decision. It's not the scarlet letter. It's, in fact, the golden ticket to to, to new places.
1: And in, in addition to the, to the job that you're giving them, you're really, what you're really doing is, you know, showing them that, that you believe in the potential and it's the, it's really the potential that I would think, you know, turns them around and gives you just an incredible sense of fulfillment.
2: I, I would, I would agree. I would agree. And now, and now it's, it's, it's something and it's like, you you know, I don't, yeah once you get over all like the, the, you know how you like you're a badass right like no one told you you could do this but now you did it and like once you get over over all those emotions which for me was i mean after we you know we went to the oscars or you know get all these awards at some point you're like all right look at everyone's eating shit we got it right okay you start to see this this world a little little bit differently And, and and right now i mean we've got some of the largest employers in the country coming. Call they call and they say, can you help us build a system for for our employees? Can you help us build a system for our business? And we know what it is. They, they, they can't find help. Right? So now it's this interesting position to be in when you get calls from these. I'm talking like I'm not mentioning their names because we you know we have we're working together and stuff, but now it's about how can we best work with a company who is strictly searching for labor maybe they have a half a heart for this but let's be honest they're looking for how can we help build systems within their workplace that will actually benefit someone returning home from prison not use abuse exploit and then and and use this as an opportunity to like really not put our toe in the door but put our our whole body through this door and saying here we are so that's kind of it's an interesting switch that's happened over the last year year and a half because of covid but man, I'm telling you, the places we're in now would never have ever even considered having this sort of um, program inside their workplace. Never.
1: You know, it it took you with just with the passion you have and everything else. You've just talked about your experience. You know, you love to work and you've got this passion for for helping folks. But um, it makes me wonder, Brandon, do you think there's any other industries where this could apply um, I mean, I know, you know, you're deep into the culinary and that's a huge industry. I mean, it's one of the biggest employers, you know, we have in this country. I I know that, but, but I wonder if there's other industries where the same, you know, where there would be an appeal um, to inmates in prison, where when they came out, they would have a, a real chance to, you know, to, to, to work and do something different.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, not everyone wants to be in this business. Right. Right. I mean, we're, you know, currently we're working with manufacturers we're working with people in um, in, in shipping and, and and receiving I mean these are like these are like low-hanging fruit jobs but I mean we're trying to continue to encourage um, city and county agencies you know to to be able to use this perspective of incarceration within their with it you know within their municipalities because whether you, you know you're, you're, you you want to be an accountant or a um. You know, civil engineer, whatever it may be, there's 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 pathways to stay around that, especially through um, you know, city services. Um, we we talk about education. Now, some laws would prohibit someone from maybe, you know, being around someone, but the educational community, there's no community that this perspective doesn't benefit. Um, that a human can't be trained in, so it applies to everyone. I can tell you, for we we work mostly outside of culinary. We work mostly with manufacturers uh, distributors uh, that that's been kind of like the, the the area of people want to want to hire and are willing to take to take the um, you know the opportunity
0: Brandon, you know one of the things that we found that share strength and I'm curious as to the applicability for for your work um, and it's been for us it's been reinforced many many times which is there are so many things that we can do that we can innovate uh, ways that we can make a difference and be close to the, the people that we're trying to work with and, and serve. Um, but for us, at least in the anti-hunger space, uh, most of those good ideas can only reach uh, a large number of people uh, if public policy kicks in, if government kicks in and helps scale a good idea or bring a good idea to more places. Is there, is, is there a, a part of your work that, helps policymakers understand what they need to do to make reentry work better. Uh, you clearly created some models. I'm just wondering, you know, do you also have the bandwidth to share with policymakers what they need to be doing to, to leverage this? Um, so locally,
2: uh, city, county-wide for sure, statewide for sure, um, nationwide not so much today, which is like a great, great disappointment. We had a we had a former president who who moved the needle for reentry further than I I've ever seen in, in you know let's say the last twenty years and I think you could look back probably even further to make the idea of um, you keep saying legislative, like the, the first step act was um, you know uh, reauthorized the second chance act was um, was initiated you had a a president who was bringing the reentry culture to the mainstream, in ways I didn't necessarily agree with, like Kim Kardashian, etc. But it, the people on the ends, Billy, will always be on the ends. And I hate to say that, right? I mean, if you're passionate about reentry or hunger, you're, you're passionate about it. If you're if you're like a naysayer, you're most likely going to stay in the naysayer lane, right? But the, the true value, the true the true opportunity, is the middle ground in that in that mainstream. And, and the last president brought a lot of exposure to that, and I never saw so many reentry organizations opening up. We never saw so much optimism internally, from a federal level, of of, of second chances and reentry becoming a a um, a focus of an administration, right? And, and so things were things were moving in a great direction. Um, I know our local senator, our, our U.S. Senator Portman. He was. He's been instrumental since the early 2000s. Sherrod Brown has been a, an advocate. But as soon as we got this new president, it's it ceased. There's not even a department for reentry or or initiatives or anything.
0: Within within today's Justice Department, there's no.
2: It, it's, it stopped. It like, it was like a hard stop. And and man, we made such great strides. So when you say that policymakers and and how we influence it. We can. We're only influenced as much as someone's willing to, you know, be influenced, right? I mean, we, we're, we're pretty damn good testament. I mean, it was great being. In the, we were just on the cover of the Washington Post food section two weeks ago. I hope that re- reaches legislators. We are the New York Times is one of fifty two places in the world changing the world. Um, I hope that reaches legislators. I hope that the people start to say, "Holy shit, there's this thing out here that could work." Let's talk to them. But. If there's not infrastructure, capacity, or even the, the heart for this, dude, it's not going to move. We, we know what it is.
0: Well, when you talk about the heart for it, I know one of the things that I've read you say uh, a number of times is that every human being, regardless of their past, has the right to a fair and equal future. Uh, to, to me, that resonates powerfully. But as you're talking about, is there the heart for this? I'm wondering, Is that a would that be a controversial statement in some quarters? Are there some folks who... Just don't believe that, or is that a? Do you find that that's kind of a a common ground to reach people on?
2: I think, I mean, well, what if they have? If you don't have a heart, I mean, they're not going to. Someone's not going to do it if they don't. If they don't feel it's it's the right thing to do, right? If they don't think it's right and just, they're not they're not going to do it. I would say they don't have the heart for it. But I would say of all the, the controversial party line things that there are out there politically, and we're talking politically because we're talking about legislation. This is a pretty like. Everyone like seems to get it right It's not like there's this hey it's a it's a bad idea, it doesn't work or something like that. They all seem to like say, "Hey, it makes sense. it's the American dream right I mean, like the second chance everyone loves a comeback story and but it's also you know fiscally responsible and it's socially responsible. It's the one item I could tell you that people seem to register in in their minds, you know and on their hearts i i think I like to think they do but if you're not acting on it, then why not you know
1: Brandon, you know we we work with uh, t- like thousands and thousands of chefs who you know raise money use you know use their your voice their voice to um, you know help policy around hunger and poverty with us and I'm wondering uh, what some of our chefs might be able to do not just in terms of job training but also in maybe influencing some of the quality of the food in prison. Do you have any thoughts about how we can get our chefs involved or how chefs that are listening to this can get involved.
2: Yeah. Again, I think your voice is powerful. And uh, if you're a business owner, you, you you know, you're, you're contributing to an economy, both in employment and, and money's circulating through it. Right. I think you gotta use your voice. You gotta, you gotta start developing a relationship or or break the ice with your local, uh, you know, politician right whether it's you know start with a council person maybe it's your senator maybe it's your mayor i'm I'm not sure what level but you got to start somewhere right and i think that's that's going to be a very powerful part of this to to be able to to begin to move the needle in prison you you really got to start working with the governor or someone on their staff maybe it's their their re-entry people or or employment directors because these contracts that are, are in prisons are usually with like these huge you know you know, industries
0: and uh, I know we're running out of time, but Brandon, how about the rest of us? We're not a chef, we're not a legislator, we want to support your work. Is there a site to make a donation? What should we know about the best way to support you?
2: Yeah, Billy, I would say just get online edwinsrestaurant.org. You know, you can obviously donate, right? You can donate money, that's that's probably the easiest, right? You could donate time, you could you could donate uh, brain power, right? You can help us you know, connect maybe in, in areas that we're, we're not in and help help advocate. You know, we're always going to spin our wheels trying to get access in places we're not. But if, if you were asking the prior question to what you could really do as just an individual, everyone's got a voice, everyone's got a vote. Okay, you hear that over and over again, but like use that voice to ask your dry cleaner or your, your, your kids um, – You know, your kid's shop that he goes to or, you know, when you start talking to business owners, say, hey, do you hire people coming out, you know, with second chances or reentering from prison? And simply just having that dialogue and injecting that sort of narrative gets people thinking and then ask them why. Why don't you or why do you? You know, you can simply do something like that. And the next time you go to the grocery store, talk to the manager and say, hey, do you hire people with second chances? If they hear that from 10,000 people, I mean, damn it, they're going to start putting systems in place so use your voice as simple as it is and then i'll obviously use your vote I mean, that's
0: important very important well i love that you say that because i feel like you know in our work uh you've really put your finger on what's the most important thing we raise a lot of money we uh, donate a lot of money but at the end of the day uh, this is about changing the, the culture that exists around these issues and we all have a a voice to share and share our strength you know when we think about what our strengths are uh, one of them that each of us has is is our voice so that's very powerful and you know and i can you know what, what i love about talking to you brandon is that you know you've got such a uh, clear-eyed sense of just how formidable the challenges are uh yet you are completely undeterred <laughs> and i just love that and that's what it takes to get things done i'm not surprised at all by edwin's uh, success having listened to you for the last uh, forty minutes or so, but uh, it's a great it's a great combination uh, and powerful leadership style that you bring to this. Well, th-
2: thank you, Billy. Hey, one of the highest compliments I ever got was from a former mayor and congressman. He says, "You know, Brandon, you're, you you got to be just amateur enough to think you can do
0: it." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think that's exactly right. Well, we've been talking to Brandon Kotowski. Um, so glad to have you. Uh, with us. So excited about the success of Edwin's. I um, encourage uh, our listeners to go to the website for Edwin's in Cleveland uh, and, and learn more. Thanks for listening to Ad Passion and Stir. If you want to learn more about the Korean vegan, Joanne Lee Molinero and hear other compelling episodes about how food and family shape our identity, please visit adpassionandstir.com. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts, share it with a friend, or rate the show so that others can find it. Add Passion and Stir is produced by Paul Woodle's team at District Productive and Joanna Weber of Pop and Awe, with support from our team at Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign. Debbie Shore, Pamela Taylor, Megan Cantrell, and Kelly Griffin. We'll be back in two weeks with more stories of individuals sharing their strength to make a difference in the world.